This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before you mash that fast forward button to move to the beginning of today's episode, I'd like to quickly tell you about some ways you can support the show and everything that I'm doing right now. You can support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Again, just go on over to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Become a patron for as little as $5 a month. Or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. It's incredibly important with the way iTunes works. So if you have a second, please leave a rating and or review and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can listen to the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts, you can check out chasethomaspodcast.com. That is on my previous episode, a link to my newsletter, and all my articles that I've written. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas. You can like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer, or you can just tell a friend you found this independent sports podcast that they should check out too. Thank you for listening. You're all the best. And I think we've reached the point in this intro where my uncle Darren can play me in. All right, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to the Chase Thomas podcast. Recording today's episode uh, late on a Wednesday. It is Wednesday, I think. I'm pretty certain it's Wednesday. Days blend together in the summer, so everything feels the same. But either way. It's uh, we're going to start things off with some Boston Red Sox because I believe, let me check my notes. Yes, they are 97 games over 500, um, which is pretty good in my opinion. And to wrap my head, help me wrap my head around um, just how the Red Sox are doing this. uh, Matthew Corey of The Athletic is here. And uh, Matthew, I got to tell you, um, your piece this afternoon, or I read it this afternoon on uh, just how many different awards the Red Sox might take home mm-hmm. in a couple months is uh, terrifying. And also, like, you can't really disagree with a lot of it. It's just, um, I, I would, hadn't really thought about it, them taking that many. But uh, yeah, the Red Sox, let's start there. Uh, <laughs> you wrote about, like, just they might clean house. Like, they're not going to win manager of the year. You made that, like, point about between him and Bob Melvin. I didn't realize Bob Melvin had already won it twice. Yeah, I think that was the biggest stunner to me is like I didn't even that didn't occur to me that he's already won it two times. I thought it'd be a first time thing because he's obviously my pick. And uh, yeah, I just it's amazing. So let's start there. Yeah, uh, Melvin is is well, the A's in general are kind of like, you know, they're like perpetually underwater. And then every once in a while they like stand up out of the pool and they're like, ta-da. And everyone is, is like, oh, my God, they stood up. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, so then at that point they just, you know, they, they get all the awards, uh, at least as far as like executives and managers and stuff. Um, Jerry DePoto has to be fucking furious, right? I, maybe, I mean, I, I he's probably too busy making trades to really worry about it. Uh, he had, no, there's no way. Like they had this <laughs> season where the angels got, uh, they, the injury bug hit them. Yeah. They didn't stay the course. 
the wild card was right there for them. They were going to break the playoff streak. Right. And then the A's just come roaring out of nowhere. And they're now only a couple, like, are they a game back of the Astros in the ALS right now? I think it's a game. Yeah, it's now. one game. Yeah, yeah. They're... That's insane. And the Mariners are done. They're just gone now. I'm glad because I didn't want to watch them in the playoffs and this ending of Felix out of the rotation and Cano not being eligible to play in the postseason and just their lineup. No, thanks. Hard pass. <laughs> Love Mariners fans. Um, sad story, but I don't like the way that team is built and I have no interest in watching them play the Yankees. Hard pass. After watching the Twins get decimated in the wildcard game last year, um, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, no thanks. The Mariners, Give me A's, Yankees. I, I got you. Yeah, there's something about Twins, Yankees, which is just like, I don't know. It's like peak Mike Tyson against a preschooler. I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't understand what exactly happens when the two of those teams step on the field together. But Minnesota just completely falls apart. It seems to Well they like started off so nicely. Remember? Yeah, they, like, yeah, they, yeah. Got, they blitzed them early and then they ended up getting Doesn't matter. just bombed. Yeah. But uh yeah. yeah, no, but back to the Red Sox. Yes. So MVP. They have two MVP candidates and I will say though that um there's a certain I, I was listening to some sports radio in Atlanta this afternoon mm-hmm. and uh they made the point that um, J.D. Martinez mm-hmm. is, I forgot the context, was the uh, favorite to win MVP in the AL, and I just like almost drove off the side of the road mm-hmm. because uh, <laughs> are we really ignoring the like his teammate, Mookie Betts, who's sporting just like a, what is it, 350 batting average yeah. right now, like yeah. a 183 or something, WRC plus. Like he's just an insane person. Like outside of Mike Trout, it's, it's really just Mookie Betts. And Martinez is having a great year, but it's just... I don't know if I'll ever like get on board with a DH winning an MVP award. Something about that um, will always be troublesome to me because Mookie Betts is still such a great defender. Um, yeah, it's different than Benatendi and guys like that. So I don't know. I just feel like Mookie Betts is the guy. But um, are, is that where you are with MVP? Do you think it's uh, gonna be Mookie and not Mike Trout and not Lindor Ramirez? I feel bad for Ramirez and Lindor because they like kind of cancel each other out for voters because they're like I, they're both awesome i don't know who to pick on the same team yeah they're both fantastic i i think ramirez uh, at this point has had a has had a better year definitely offensively um i i think it's i think he's probably the the main you know competitor at this point because you know voters they look for any excuse to vote against a player who's on a bad team and the angels at this point are at least not a good team and so, you know, if you're going to do that, then you're, you're taking Mike Trout and his, you know, three, four fifty, six twenty slash line out of out of the equation. Um, I, I agree with what you're saying about, you know, Martinez, um, you know, as fantastic as he has been at the plate. He's not a very good fielder. I mean, you can put him in the corners and they have occasionally. But, um, yeah, he's just he's just not a very good fielder. And. And so, okay, that's fine. Like, no, no big deal. Like he contributes in another way, um, and and you know, really, a lot contributes a lot. But at the same mm-hmm. time, you know, you've got a guy like Mookie Betts who uh, you know plays fantastic defense at an important position and runs the bases, you know, for my money, better than anybody else. Um, so yeah, I think I think you have to go with with Betts um, at at this point, at least you know, from those two guys, but. If if Martinez is actually able to catch bets in batting average, and he wins the triple crown, I mean that's the kind of cliched sports writer thing that you know might push him over the top, even even though he might not deserve it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm uh, at this point I would vote for I would vote for Mookie, and okay. I would probably vote for uh, and I don't have a vote to be clear, but um, 
and then you know Jose Ramirez and Mike Trout probably the next two guys in, in some order there. How would you like guesstimate it's going to unfold in the next couple of months? How would you like the top five? How do you think it unfolds? Like like the MVP race or the or yeah. oh um yeah I mean it's 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 probably the same group of guys right I mean yeah uh, it's it's uh it's trout and and trout doesn't ever turn it off like if he's you know if his wrist is uh is, exactly is better the injury feels like that may have derailed any ch- real chance he had well mookie uh, missed some time too mookie, mookie yeah. was out for a while also so um i mean there trout has played 109 games Betts has played 101 jose ramirez has played 117 you know for for whatever that's worth i mean that's probably yeah. your difference in war right there um and as far as like rate stats go, um, you know, Mookie's got him in, in pretty much everything. But um, but that's the difference in, in war at the end of the day. Um, so but, yeah, I, I you know, at least uh, as far as I would go, I, I, I imagine things would probably stay roughly the same. I mean, Betts is not slowed down. Mike Trout never slows down. Um, you know, Lindor is fantastic. Um JD Martinez is going to keep doing what he's doing, you know, what he's been doing over the last couple of years. Um, you know, Jose Ramirez doesn't seem like he's uh, <laughs> he's going to take any days off. So, um, yeah, I, I would I would stick with the uh, stick with the order, but but you never know. I mean, guys go on hot streaks. I mean, Chris Sale lost the Cy Young Award last year in, in like the last four probably starts of the season. So things can change. So they need to just take him up, <laughs> like because they they're already up and they they're going to make the playoffs and they're going to uh, win the division. Maybe just like take him out so he can win the Cy Young. Well, they sort of just did that. I mean, he was just on the disabled list, right? And then they, then they brought him back off the DL. And I I think he threw what, five innings against the Orioles and and struck Mm -hmm. out, I think 78 different players that game. So, uh, in those five innings, somebody on Twitter made a joke about like, after that started, like now they can take him off the disabled list and, Making the joke of like, yes, I know that he just played the Orioles, oh, but that does right. not count. Yeah, no, I'm, and that's kind of kind of fair. Sadly, mm-hmm. I mean, the team that the Orioles were putting out on the field was a little bit lacking. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, not that's being very kind. Not not a bad way to uh, to come off the DL, quite frankly. You know, if you're talking about True. you know stepping up to real major league competition, put the you know put him uh, put him against the Orioles and see how he does. And okay, he did great. So let's move him to uh, <laughs> you know the the heat of the pennant race, but. Um, or just a third of the AL in general. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. I mean, so I mean, this is kind of like a chicken or the egg thing, right? Because there's a finite number of wins, and for every win, there's a mm-hmm. loss. So, are the Red Sox great because the Orioles are terrible, or are the Orioles terrible because the Red Sox are great? I mean, are the Red Sox? I mean, we're going to get some inflated wins. It's going to be interesting to look back on Baseball Reference like 15 years from now, <laughs> because I think the Red Sox are what on pace for 115 wins. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, they are. There's no the doubt team. they're an, yep. they're a very good team, but like too many teams are just intentionally mailing it in. Like you just you have to take that into account, especially when you play in the AL. And I understand that it's more balanced schedule than it was decades ago, but yeah, I just it, it, two things can be true. One, the Red Sox are a historically great team, <laughs> and two, they're not 115 wins historically great. Like that still is just going to look weird down the line. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the, okay. the the Mariners won 116 games in 2001. Yeah, right. That's true. And so you look at okay. I just pulled up the American League that year. Um, so there was only 100 lost team in the American League, that hmm. year, and that was the Devil Rays who lost exactly 100. They went 62 and 100. But the Orioles went 63 and 98. Presumably, they didn't bother to play that extra game because who cares? 
the, the Royals uh, went 65 and 97. The Tigers went 66 and 96. This is amazing. These are all the bad teams who are tanking this year. Yeah, yeah that's actually a good point. Um, <laughs> uh, but all those teams were bad then too. Like they were, you know, they, they didn't have uh, that that nice, you know, three digit. Uh, uh, number in the in the loss column, but they got off close. Uh-huh. Like the Royals were three away, the Tigers were four away, the Orioles were two away. Um, There's a lot of, of, of bad teams then also, um, and that's you know that's just the, the way it goes. Like if a team is going to soak up wins like the Mariners did then, like the Red Sox are now, there's going to be some teams that are going to be on the receiving end of that. Um, and I, I think it's I think it's kind of hard to say you know, with, with any certainty, like, you know, who is, who is directly responsible. And I think it kind of takes, kind of takes both. Like you need a really good team, you know, and you also need some really bad teams. You need some teams that are, you know, like you say, intentionally trying to lose. Um, And, and then you've got the Orioles who are not, well, they weren't intentionally trying to lose until the 31st of July. Um, and, and you know we have Dave Dombrowski calling the Blue Jays and um, <laughs> calling old Ross and being like, hey, can you cool off on uh, calling up Vlad Guerrero Jr. even though he's hitting a home run in every game? Just a couple more months. We're still stat padding. <laughs> a couple more wins. Right, we need you to chill. <laughs> I, I don't think No Bouchette, no Vlad. I don't think the Blue Jays uh, need to do that. I mean, why, yeah. why would they do that at this point? Like they're, They've got nothing to play for. Um, Speaking of, why is Josh Donaldson still in the Blue Jays? I mean, would you trade for his salary at this point? Is he, yes. Is he gonna if I'm the Braves, yeah, probably. But, I would do it if I was like the Bra- the Phillies, definitely. The Phillies' third base situation is a mess. Yeah, Frank. Yeah, there are teams I would do it. Yeah, Franco at third, right? He's fine. Yeah, but it's, they've had they've put a lot of guys. The left side of that infield, a <laughs> lot of question marks. Um. Yeah, I guess I. I know less about, you know, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on the Phillies. I know Franco has decent, like, you know, basic boxcar stats. Um, has his defense, he made a couple nice defensive plays against the Red Sox yesterday. I saw that. Um, mm-hmm. He also made one bad one. So, I don't know. Um, I think they want Mikael Franco to work. It's just been like, it. I mean, what is he now? I think he's 25. Okay. Well, maybe. Maybe he breaks through. I mean, he's mm-hmm. hitting 277 this year. OPS plus of 109. I mean, it's he's not terrible. Like it's been better than in years past. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm just not sold on him as an everyday player, just like Johan Camargo in Atlanta and guys like that. And I understand Josh Donaldson may not be able to stay healthy and all that. Well, he's stuff, he's making 23 million dollars a year. So you're talking this year he's making. But when he's healthy, good. man, he's really well, really valuable. Yeah, but is he going to be healthy? Are, do you want to pay 10 million dollars to see if maybe he gets healthy? Uh, if I'm a contender, yes. Okay. Well, it depends on the team. I think yeah. context matters, and uh, oh, sure. it just it depends. Um, would the Yankees do it based on uh, like depending on how they feel about their third base hit? Because they lost Brandon Jury in the trade yeah. a couple weeks ago, and um, uh, we'll see how their third. It's interesting that the third base situation in New York and Boston are um, in similar circumstances right now because um, the Boston third base situation with Rafael Devers, like. He's fine, mm-hmm. right? He's not a dumpster fire. It it works. He's passable. But you have Eduardo Eduardo Nunez, yeah. who might play till he's forty seven. I think it's it, he's a really good player for the Red Sox this year. And I wanted to ask you about him and Jackie Bradley Jr. because it does seem like those are the two biggest surprises. And I wonder if um, even Alex Cora and Dombrowski would admit that they are surprised with what they've gotten out of both Bradley and Nunez this year. Um, who do you think they would? 
admit uh, or say that, like, you know, we went, we go into every season hoping for the best, but um, even we're surprised by the output from both these guys. I don't think they're surprised by Nunez at all. Nunez has been okay. terrible. Um, like yeah. frankly, I mean, his defense, it's, he's been forced to play second base because Pedroia hasn't been there all year. Um, and then they traded for Kinsler and then Kinsler immediately got hurt. So, um, you know, he's had to, he's, he's really stretched the second base. He's not, he can't handle the position really, um, defensively. He, and third base, he can handle it cause he doesn't, he has the range for it, which is to say, you know, you don't need a lot of range to play third base. You just can be able to handle the ball getting on top of you really quick. And he's got the arm for it. But he's a little scattershot with it, and his uh, on top of that, his offense has been really bad. I, I think the guy yeah. that that fits the the profile you just laid out is Sandy Leon. Um, okay. Leon is offensively not you know nothing to write home about. I mean, he's basically a backup catcher uh, offensively. He's got a sub 300 on base percentage. He's got four homers on the year. Um, you know. He's blocking Blake Swihart. <laughs> Well, uh, Vasquez is still hurt, so he's not blocking yeah. Swihart now. And uh, Swihart actually is, I think, just about ready to come off the disabled list. But, mm-hmm. um, but he has also been, and this is one thing I'm writing about, he has been, uh, Leon has, has been in, I, I think the Red Sox are 30 and 3 mm-hmm. uh, in his last 33 games that he's. Interesting. Um, now, this is a team as you noted is on 115 win pace so mm-hmm. you know is 30 and 3 really that much of an outlier like does that actually say that sandy leone is really contributing that much more than vasquez or swihart i don't know i think it says I mean, that he's more valuable bet. than mookie bets <laughs> for sure well somebody said that recently i forget who it was but i think someone said that sandy leone should be the team mvp which Dan Shaughnessy. Yeah, well, right. So I think, I think it was someone with the team. Bill Simmons. It was someone with the team, <laughs> um, which is, which is saying something about, about a guy. Uh, I don't have his numbers exactly right in front of me. Uh, 266 on base percentage, 318 slugging percentage. He's got a, okay. a 584 OPS. Steve Pierce is hitting like 500 right now. Yeah. Steve Pierce has been ridiculous. Um, that's insane. But uh, it's weird that like w- the amount of production they've gotten out of Mitch Moreland and now Pierce at first base, <laughs> really baffling. Mitch Moreland was almost an all-star this year. Yeah. M- Moreland can, or was he an all-star? Did he make the, all-star I think team? he did make the all-star team. Okay. Yeah. He, in the first part of the season, he was hitting lefties and I think he's since reverted to career form and not been able to hit them anymore. But all of a sudden for like a month and a half, he was, he was crushing lefties and he had a, had a hot streak against righties. He usually hits them pretty well anyway. Um, and so, yeah, that was that. Uh, and he's kind of, I mean, he was an all-star at age 32, just like we all expected he would become in Boston. Well, I mean, what did Marcakis make the all-star team for the first time this year too, right? He did. Kind of crazy. I mean, Marcakis has been like really good this year. He's been insane. He's been steady though. He's a very steady pro, but now he has power. I think that's the main it's reason like, yeah. that he made the all-star team now is someone, that like, he hit some runs. Someone just told him to start swinging hard. Runs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, he, that never yeah. occurred to him before. He was like, oh, 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 I should hit the ball over the wall. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. No problem. I mean, that's like Boom, the Matt Carpenter it. thing, but on a smaller scale. Cause Matt Carpenter, like Jeff Sullivan did this great piece on him in uh fan graphs this week that everybody should check out. And I'm probably gonna talk to Eno about this, but um, yeah, it's, it's interesting how certain guys like JD Martinez, another guy who changed his swing yep. um, to hit more dingers. Yep. And uh, I think it's paid off for him a little bit, uh, a, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's bit. hard to see, but, um, but if you're, you know, a real pro about it and you look closely, mm-hmm. then you can watch the ball travel 450 feet over the wall. 
<laughs> do you think it's uh, surprising at all that Xander Bogart says kind of he's still a really good player, but he's just kind of fallen into the background a little bit because of how good Betts and Sale and everybody else has been around him? Is it surprising that he's fallen into the background? Uh, yeah, not especially because like, those guys talk about him really. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, he is he's been a really important part of the team. Um, I mean, you can you can have you know, an offense that has two really, really good players at the same time and then not a whole lot else. But um, the Red Sox actually have some other guys who have been, you know, very productive on on, on top of that, um, which is what has made their offense really go. So it's not just Martinez and, and Betts. And Bogarts is, I think, you know, a step or two behind those two guys, but but he's been he's been fantastic at least offensively this year. Um, and he's, you know, he seems to get hit in the wrist with a, with a fastball every year now um uh, that happened and somehow he managed to avoid a, a serious injury uh, which is great but but yeah he's hitting for more power than than he ever has um and uh you know sort of what what people kind of thought he would do coming up through the minors um mm-hmm. you know he was a he was a guy who had a lot of power you know from a middle infield position and uh that was not really borne out in the first i'd say three years of his career and then uh he had 21 homers in 2016 his last all-star year. Yeah. And that was part of the reason yep. that I was thinking about it. Like, oh, he's had back-to-back years now where he's not an all-star. And he's still productive. It's just yeah, um, the hype is not it is not what it was in uh, 2016. Yeah, I'm, yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, the other thing that to not forget about Bogart, though, is that he's actually 25. Like, yep. it's not like he's 32 and over the hill. Like, you know, he's got some Great years contract. still to go. Yeah, I mean, he's not making a ridiculous amount of money. I think he's on he's on a year to year. You know, he's on. Yeah, uh, I think he's making seven million or something. something. Year. Yeah, and you know, I don't think the Red Sox care. <laughs> I mean, no, no. he's he's holding down shortstop and he's got a five hundred slugging percentage and uh, you know his on bases, which is higher than his career high. It's yeah, significantly up from his career. A hundred points over so. what he did last year. So yeah, um, so I mean, it's just everything's coming up great for the Red Sox, except except for their bullpen. And I'm curious because Craig Kimbrell, who has struggled since the All-Star break, yeah. but it is interesting that the um, the pitching coach, whose name escapes me right now, um, he's identified the problem, and it's mechanical, and he's not sharing it with uh, reporters mm-hmm. uh, like yourself, it seems. He knows <laughs> what it is. He sees something that um, we can't see because we're um, not pitching coaches True. so it's a little bit different but uh i did like that little nugget it's just like it's amazing how especially for pitchers it's little things like that that can just derail everything especially for a position as volatile as the relief spot <laughs> is kimbrell it's just it, like he i think it was last night where he started off with a walk yep. and he didn't blow the save or anything else but he got out of it but it's just he has not had a one two three inning since he's him back post all-star break yeah and you kind of if you're a red sox fan that's a little concerning um just because sure. of how important he is to that bullpen and uh joe kelly uh, i think we can go ahead and cross him off as a important name come playoff time and i mean there's just it's a lot of unproven guys in the bullpen i think behind him and they have like seven starters behind sale and uh porcello and uh um why am I blanking on the other one? Oh, Price, yep. who has actually turned things around um, in Boston this year. So maybe that contract's not an albatross five years from now, but it's a year-by-year year thing, it seems like, with David Price. Uh, but yeah, you have Barnes, you just have Hembry, you have Thornburg, 
Mm-hmm. They have a couple guys that are fine. Yeah. And they've been pretty good for them. But like, I don't know. If I'm a Red Sox fan, the Kimbrel stuff is just slightly concerning. Where are you at with Kimbrel? Have you talked to him about it? Like, what is uh, what do you make of his post All Star break struggles? Yeah, it's it is a little concerning. I agree. I I think, um, and and Dana Levangi is the is the pitching coach whose name we were searching for. Um, and uh, yeah. my to my knowledge, um, he was saying that he thought Kimbrel was getting too predictable as to when he was throwing certain pitches and where he was throwing them. Um, so I, I didn't hear about a mechanical tweak. Um, that's not to say there isn't one. I just haven't heard about it. Um, so, I mean, to me, just watching Kimbrel, you know, especially like last year when he was so fantastic, the, the big difference to me is he seems to really uh, uh, yank some of his pitches. And the result is that he throws these, you know, really non-competitive pitches um, in the middle of an at-bat or at the beginning of an at-bat. Um, and, and that's, you know, you're sort of shortening the, the number of, of balls that you have in, in your arsenal, right? So if you, um, if you come up, you know, a batter comes up to the plate and the first pitch you throw is you know, a foot and a half high above the strike zone and outside, the batter's never going to swing at that. That's just an automatic mm-hmm. ball. You're starting with the count of, of one ball and no strikes. And if you ever look at baseball reference and see, you know, what kind of an advantage that is for a hitter. It's huge. It, it makes a massive difference. That's that one pitch makes a massive difference in, in what a, um, in what a hitter can do. Um, even against a guy like Kimball with his stuff. So, and, uh, he needs to start at least with the shave of that disgusting beard. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that or who told him it was okay that he's rocking that. It's like he's already ready for hunting season. I think his wife his Tennessee. wife loves it. I think that's that's my understanding is that yes. There's no way that's true. Well, I don't know. I'm just repeating what I heard. His wife's yeah. a liar. I'm calling Craig Kimball's wife a liar on this podcast. Well, that's a, that's a hot take. Disgusting. That a hot you know take. what it reminds yeah. me of? So I'm a big pro wrestling guy, mm-hmm. and there is a current tag team wrestler. I think his name's Hanson, the War Raiders. Um, down in NXT, and they have a similar beard mm-hmm. structure, but they're um, also not the most aesthetically a pleasing uh, group of guys. Right. Not exactly something I, I would uh, just want to look like. Yeah, um, great wrestlers, but uh, terrible luck. So, <laughs> Kimbrel should start by shaving because you know who would never rock that Boston legend Jonathan Papathon. He would never allow such a thing. Uh, he probably wouldn't. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. He was always clean shaven. He was. He was. Yeah. I think that was, that was kind of a time when respected the game. Yeah, exactly. Ten when, years um, ago when, when everything yeah. was perfect. Yeah, exactly. No bat flips. <laughs> no. Um, you don't like you don't like bat flips? Full batting practice. Or you just no bat flips. I like for players to wear their jerseys so that fans who are um, getting to the ballpark early can tell whether or not Chase Utley is um, warming up on the field. Things like that are very important and we need to be more proactive in protecting the game and ensuring that uh, um, the respect is there on the field and off the field. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I was able to get through all of that without just laughing and uh, revealing that um, I'm speaking very tongue in cheek there. Okay, uh, good. Do not take any of that for face value because um, you're going to be quoted extensively of the, fan, uh, the podcast will will know what I'm talking about here. So because um, there was a comment I made about a week and a half ago that I hope the broadcaster in question did not hear. OK, what I said. but anyway, um, the Red Sox, I think they're going to be fine. I am curious because the Astros 
are just on this nosedive. A lot of it's injury related. Yeah. I do think it's interesting. And I think once I read the beyond the box score piece on the Astros, I think it was June before they really got hit with the injury bug. Mm -hmm. They were on pace for like literally the best baseball season of all time. Like just from their starting rotation, their bullpen oh, yeah. and their hitting. Their pitching like staff. Everything so far yeah, ahead of their run differential yeah. was just everything about them was insane. Yep. And the wheels have obviously come off, but I think we're all like just um counting them out and they're still the champs and they're still absolutely loaded and you have guys who are breaking out like Bregman this year. Mm-hmm. And if they get healthy, like they're still the scariest team I think in the AL. Do you think the Red Sox fans have already kind of assumed now that the Astros have fallen, the Yankees are struggling. Oh, no, no, no. Their stuff is held, too. I, so they're, I they're, think every Red Sox fan is waiting for the other shoe to drop, which is a ridiculous okay. thing to say about 115 on pace yeah. for a team. But but that's that's the sense I get, is that there's okay. there's a lot of fear about... Um, you know about the about the the season going bad and the bullpen exploding and losing in the playoffs and all this stuff um and and me and some other people uh have have been sort of banging the drum to chill out and enjoy the season you don't find a team you know on pace for this many wins winning this much as this team has done uh, blowing away a really good team like the yankees um you know you just don't see that really ever i mean yeah. The Red Sox haven't won 100 games in a season since 1946, which is... Which seems crazy. Yeah, it does seem crazy, especially considering, you know, over the last 15 years, they've won three World Series, so... Exactly, yeah. Um, but that's that's the fact. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, to have a team not only win 100 games, but but to blow past it as as they look like they might do, um, I mean, that's a really special thing. And, and you know, we, we get very focused on the postseason and success or failure in the postseason... Um, and obviously that matters. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't, but I think you, but it's also you need to be able to it's just, enjoy it's a crap shoot. Yeah, yeah, it can be. Never know. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, the, the Mariners, everyone is, is, you know, sort of paying attention to all of a sudden because the Red Sox are, are, are real close to, you know, to, to catching them at least on pace for at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they didn't win the world series either. So, uh, that doesn't mean they weren't a great team. I, I, I firmly believe that, that, you know, you can lose in the playoffs and still be the best team. Um, I think sometimes you can look at, um, you know, extenuating circumstances, a reason why one team might be have a better record than another, but really isn't quite as good. I felt that way in 2004 that the Red Sox were better than the Yankees, even though the Yankees, um, I think, finished three games ahead of them. Um, but in this case, like, it, it's just this is this is a sort of the ultimate outlier team and and uh you know i i think you need to if you can't enjoy that then then you may be um either taking it too seriously or maybe you should just look for something else to to enjoy because it's just uh it is a pleasure to watch this team you know they, they just they just win all the freaking time. It is nuts. You could be an Orioles fan. You could be a Rays yeah, fan. If you a want, Blue Jays right. fan. You, you could be watch, all these other fans. If you want to watch another team like, lose, yeah. feel free, man. Like, uh, How are Mets fans still watching these games? You know, I tweeted out, um, uh, I don't know, last week or, or whenever the, or- the Red Sox were just mercilessly destroying the Orioles, um, uh-huh. that uh, there was – it was in Baltimore. The Red Sox swept them four games in a row in Baltimore, and there were people in – that ballpark towards the end of some of those games who were not Red Sox fans. And I applaud those people. I mean, oh, right. yeah. like the fact that they would sit through a game when their team is, is obviously garbage against a really good team when they're losing, when the season is already over, 
Um, and when their stadium has been invaded by the other team's fans to the point where you hear them more than you hear the local fans. Um, yeah. and, and to sit there and watch that game and root for your team, man, that is impressive. I, I Not even just rooting. They're just chanting like, this wouldn't have happened on Brian Roberts' watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or whatever, man. But just, just to be there, like, I'm... I'm uh, Bring back Cliff it's Floyd. It's a good thing. I feel like he was a Oriole at some point. Was Cliff Floyd he was on the Red Sox for a little while. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tommy Hunter, bring him back. Yeah. Sure, why not? Um, who are some other classic at least, MLB guys? At least that's a guy we've heard of, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god. I highly encourage everybody to look at their current um depth chart because it is it is something it's something special. It's a little bit like hope uh, Adam Jones gets moved, by the way. I hope he doesn't finish out. I understand that like, he's entrenched. He's turned it down. He does a lot of great stuff. He's turned it down. He doesn't want to go. Yeah. He has the 10-5 rule, so yeah. he doesn't have to go. They, but they had a, I want him on the Indians. They had a, I want the Indians to finish out that um that outfield and I mean mm-hmm. betting on Brantley to stay healthy is uh, a fool's errand i think at this point he's a great player but when he's healthy he's that. he's an impressive yeah. player yeah for sure i feel like the indians might be the biggest challenger this postseason to the red sox i think i mean i would who could red sox fans handle if terry francona beats them in the alcs it already happened they did yeah, not, again, oh, not on the ALCS, the kind of, in the division no yeah 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 sure i i, okay. I mean speaking for only for myself um i, mm-hmm. I think you know, three World Series wins in whatever I said, 15 years or whatever it is, is just damn impressive. You know, like people want to complain about 2008 when, when the Red Sox had a fantastic team and lost in the, you know, ALCS to the to the Rays or, you know, when things fell apart in 2011 or, or, or whatever. Um, there's always going to be those disappointments and, and it sucks in the moment for sure. But, you know, those... Those great successes, those are those are really few and far team, far, far apart, and and you know for any team, and and to be able to do what they did, uh, you know, I I think it's 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 laudable and impressive and and you know worth focusing on rather than the negative. So, yeah, Matthew Corey, this was great. I really appreciate you taking the time tonight. Absolutely, thanks for having me on, Chase. I appreciate it. So we're, what can we look out for? We're recording this on a Wednesday. Do you have anything else coming down the pike this week? I, uh, everybody should read your AL. Uh, Boston Red Sox are actually awesome post uh, yeah. <laughs> from a couple days ago. That's I, that's a new title. That's actually what I'm going to... That's the SEO title. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, if you'll permit me, Chase, uh, I would just want to say, if, if you haven't, not you speaking to the listeners, if you haven't subscribed yet to The Athletic, you should really... Um, take a take a look at it um you know i i wouldn't presume to tell anyone what to do with their money but but no you can't the, 100%. The i'm all about telling people what they should do with their money <laughs> and they should uh give some of it every month to the athletic because the athletic is unbelievably stacked and it's just great it's fantastic i agree and and you know what you get for that money is is pretty impressive you know like you could subscribe to a local paper and i i, I recommend people do that um but you know you you get coverage of that team and that's all with the athletic you get coverage of I think they're at 28 now different major league teams uh, mm-hmm. and you know all, all the nhl wait who are the only two that i haven't even noticed who are the last two the rays uh, no the marlins and marlins nationals okay. yeah i think are the only two. the nationals yeah i think so they wow have a okay. well i mean they were ahead of the game the athletic is always a forward-thinking uh company they just knew um based on how the season was ending yeah. for the nationals it's like we don't really need to do this chelsea james has got this under control <laughs> right, right. she's having to deal with all this um, um so yeah so go subscribe to the athletic there's a uh there's always a bunch of of, of of you know discounts and sales and stuff you search around online um 
and you can always hit me up on Twitter and ask me what's what the what the going thing is, and I can try to direct you in the right place. Um, so. And maybe one day I'll do the I'll, uh, the athletic will promote uh, I'll, I'll promote the athletic on this podcast with the promo code the athletic.com promo code Chase. Try it. Yeah, I don't know if that'll work, but but why not, right? <laughs> you never know who's listening. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew, I appreciate it. Um, we will talk in soon, sir. I hope so. I hope so. Thanks again for having me. All right. You know, Saris of The Athletic is here now. I think it's just an athletic thing. I think maybe I need to rebrand my entire podcast as um, just The Athletic Podcast because I have just a Rolodex now of people from The Athletic coming on the pod, which is good because The Athletic is great. And if you have not already subscribed to The Athletic, uh, you should do so because it's fantastic. And you get to read people like, you know, who uh, is just one of the best baseball writers out there right now. And, you know, um, is Ronald Acuna ever going to not mash at the top uh, or bottom of the first inning for the Braves? <laughs> I just saw a stat that compared Acuna's uh, rookie year to uh, Jason Hayward's rookie year, which uh, probably is very frightening. Ooh, I don't want that. No, no, thank you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, one of the things that um, I look for in a prospect that's coming up, especially since I think the ball at the major league level First of all, the ball at the major league level has been different than the minor league ball forever, and now the ball at the major league level has, you know, is a little bit different than it used to be itself. So, I think it's flying pretty well. If I see a, a guy come up with pretty good power in the minors and who can hit uh, either equal amount of fly balls to ground balls, or maybe sometimes more fly balls than ground balls, I expect their power numbers to be better than uh, projected when they get to the major league. So. Alves and Acuna were both guys that were lifting the ball well in double A AA and triple A and uh, came to the big leagues and had more power than expected. Who do you think is more likely to be the NL MVP in the next five years, Albies or Acuna? You know, Albies is in the middle of a big slump that makes a lot of the questions about him sort of come back to the fore. One of the things was that he's a switch hitter and people said he's much better from the right side. And we're not sure that, you know, long-term either he's going to have to give up switch hitting or if he's just going to be that much of an asset against righty pitching. And he's slugging something like 250 against righties over the last month. And they've, they've changed their approach where they're sort of jamming him inside and throwing breaking balls outside and he's not doing much with them. But he also comes with, I think, a little bit more of an aggressive history that Acuna, Acuna has had. Um, you know, some good walk rates and has shown some patience in the past and may show more of that in the future. So I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Acuna. I think, I think the tools are a little bit louder. He hits the ball a little bit harder. He has a little more patience. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, there's always the chance that Albies has one of these seasons where he steals a bunch of bases and everyone says, Whoa, you know, he's hitting 280 with 25 homers. 30 stolen bases and, you know, a top of that lineup and maybe he wins it that way. But I think Acuna is a slightly better player. Okay. Um, do you think it's something that carries over for the rest of the year for Albies? Do you think this is a slump that he can adjust mid season or do you think this is something he has to examine in the off season? You know, it's, it's related to his biggest flaw basically, which is his aggressive nature and his, his, um, Lack of selectivity sometimes. Um, so 
in some ways, I think he'll just have these slumps. You know, he's just going to... Yeah. It's it, going to be part of his career. I think it's going to be part of his career. He's going to have times when he's white hot like he was in the in, in, in April when he slugged like 650 and just, you know, everyone's mm-hmm. eyes are popping out of their heads. So, I mean, this, is, this could be the kind of MVP year that I'm saying. I mean, you kind of... Even if you just use his projected rest of season numbers, he's going to get close to hitting 280 with, uh, you know, 27 homers and 20 steals. So... Um, mm-hmm. you know, he might get some down ballot votes, but this slump has really taken some of the air out of that. And, um, I think it, it calls into question some of that power it makes him more an above average power guy rather than a guy who's going to hit 30 homers. Um, so I don't know. It, it I, I think it's, it's just going to be part four. of the back and forth, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it just, it helps that he's able to now because they moved into Enciarte, uh, down the order finally after just months of having him bat leadoff but i remember talking to Corey uh mccartney of fox sports south uh come on to go kind of like a because i was just pretty dubious of the ender Enciarte as a, to- a leadoff guy with his obp and everything else and just the kind of player he is and just how detrimental that could be to the offense uh long term and uh it was one of those things where last year he did the exact same thing restarted off slow but um if you keep him there he'll eventually break out and you just kind of have to have that confidence in him and then uh this year it's a little bit different because he's still in the bottom half of the order with Dansby um it's uh do you think that's like a really helpful thing for Albies to know that when he does go through these slumps having Acuña at the top of the order uh Freddie Freeman who's still a really awesome baseball player and should be for the next couple of years and then Marcakis behind him does that kind of uh help things and kind of shield him because it doesn't seem like a lot of people um have realized that Albies has really cooled off I mean obviously with Acuña uh just going nuts over the last couple of weeks it helps things but um it does seem like he's kind of flying under the radar this slump is at least like a lot of national people I haven't seen talk about Albies kind of falling off a cliff a little yeah. bit um, in the late summer I think it does also the fact that he is still so good uh from the right side um helps prop up prop up his overall numbers um and make it seem like there's not really that much of a problem um and uh, also, it's just easier to hit with runners on base. And I think that's something that's contagious about this Braves offense. You know, they're, they're good at every position, safe shortstop, really. And uh, doing that means you're going to hit with a lot of runners on base. And the more runners on base, uh, the more runners that are on base when you're hitting, the, the, the less the defense can um, shift to where you, where you, uh, where you hit. Um, the more they have to cover bags and open up holes when you hit. Um, and I do think it affects the, the plate, uh, the, the pitch mix a little bit of the pitcher. So, um, you know, more likely to see pitches in the zone if there are bases, if you go on base and they can't really afford to walk you. So all of those things make it easier to hit. Um, and as you say, I think take some of the attention off them. So you mentioned the shortstop position and I have to ask you because Dansby, I, if he wasn't a former number one overall pick, I think a lot of Braves fans would see him differently at this point. Um, he's obviously made some good adjustments. He's striking out a bunch, but he's someone who has kind of figured out um, not to do what he did last year, which was just not only strike out, but also just ground out. And just, it was really anemic and did not work. And he was obviously not a guy suited for the top of any lineup, but um, he's, would you, I mean, he's still so young, but would you go ahead and uh, be comfortable saying that he is just not a cornerstone piece to this team long-term and he's going to be a guy that just kind of bounces around and he's never going to live up 
to that kind of number one overall pedigree? Uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose there could be a tweak in him. Um, he did increase his fly ball rate, as you said, and, and is hitting for something like below average power. Um, you know, he's had above average patience in the past, and if he could just cut the strikeouts a little bit more, you could have someone that's average to above average in a lot of the phases of the game, you know, like, you know, above average, averages defense, you know, averages patience, averages contact, averages uh, power, averages speed. You'd have a guy, I think, that would would be around a two-win player if he played to his projections, if he maybe made one more tweak or so. Um, however, you know, Johan Camargo has really taken off this year, and it's in a way that I kind of believe. And he's he's changed. His, really? Yeah, he's changed his play discipline completely. And that's one of those things that becomes meaningful faster because you it's it's measured by pitch. You know, your swing rate, your reach rate, the, the denominator is, is different. So he's really cut his reach rate. He's really cut his swing rate. Um, and that's uh, that's helped him, I think, not only get on base, but uh, hit for a little bit more power. So, um, you know, in, in Camargo, I see someone that um, is just a very similar player in that he averages tools across the board, but closer to it, you know, and uh, with the glut of third baseman available on the market in the trade deadline, even now there's a third baseman they could get. Um, and in the off season, they're going to be third baseman. They can get, I can see a future where Camargo moves to shortstop and at least faces lefties. And maybe Dansby is the super utility guy that faces, um, I mean, at least faces righties. And Dansby's a utility guy that faces lefties and kind of plays all over the diamond. So um, it's, a, it's a nice problem, I think. I don't think it's um, – I think you're right that he's going to get more chances because of his history. But uh, I don't see him as being a complete uh, – Dansby, this is. I, I, don't think, I don't see him as being a complete nothing. I do think he'll be an asset for the team. I just – it won't be uh, what people thought it would be. Yeah, and it's also like you have to think about finances uh, a couple of years down the road when guys are up for arbitration, all that kind of stuff. And he's just, um, you're going to have to pay Acuna. You're going to have to pay Albies. Um, Freeman's already gotten paid. But there's just, and then you have this Rolodex of starting pitchers that are coming up. And uh, I'm curious, it's the last thing I'll say about the Braves. Um, which young pitcher are you most confident in being an ace or who are you most excited or intrigued by in that mm. rotation? I was really excited about Mike Soroka and uh, I, I just saw command and, and a sort of poise that would make the most out of the, the pitches he had. And even though his, his changeup is not that great, I just thought he would be someone who would sort of overachieve all the time. Um, kind of almost the opposite of Sean Newcomb who has all the stuff in the world and, and very little command. Um, but the shoulder injury, you know, it's just something that it's uh it's a big, it it's sucks. a big deal. Yeah, it just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't but know. They have nineteen in the in the pipeline. I mean, Tuki just made his debut, and you still have Colby Allard and Kyle Wright still sitting there. They it seems like they have a never. It turns out when you draft like nineteen starting pitchers over the last five years, um, you're gonna have a lot of options. Yeah, so, <laughs> and I one guy I think out, that next it, guy you know, out. that's it served them well, and and there's and it's I think it'll be hard to actually pick one out because all these guys are gonna come to the major leagues and and hit the wall. Uh, and, and have to adjust, and it'll be it'll be the guy 
you know, that's the thing I love about strength pitching is I talk to these guys and they're always like, oh, I just added a new pitch. I just did this, I did that. And that's, that's really the key to it all. If you think about uh, Zach Greinke and Jake Odorizzi, those guys were, were drafted because they could hit 95 and they had great sliders. Well, Greinke saw Felix throwing his changeup and was like, I'm going to throw that. Uh, and has been sort of masterful in his command and his pitch selection and has aged really well because of it. Jake Odorizzi learned uh, Alex Cobb's split finger and now is like a four-seam split finger guy instead of a sinker slider guy. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of change in the future for all these guys. And, you know, I, you could still see Soroka being the guy who comes out of it best because he's the guy who will tweak a pitch and, and, and have good command of it and, if he's if this thing is not a big deal, then that, that's it. But other than that, I really like Tuki Jusaint. Um It's a it's a little bit more in the Newcomb uh, side of things where he's wild, but he's got a lot of stuff. Um, I saw a few changeups that were good, and a bunch that were not. And uh, we'll just have to see how that split finger develops over time for him. And uh, I just like his stuff the most. I think. Okay. Um... Should we be prepared for Matt Carpenter and LMVP this fall? <laughs> you know, I I wrote a piece about well hit percentage uh, earlier in the year, and I remember yeah. Jeff Sullivan uh, just had a similar one this week on Fangraphs, outlying just he's just really good at it. it's the Joey Votto thing, and Freddie yeah, Hammond's also one of these guys who does that. Yeah, he he covers the plate really well, and and he hits the ball in the right angles. And, you know, he, he actually was struggling early on and the team came to him and said, you're hitting the ball on the right angles. Don't worry about it. And that allowed him to sort mm-hmm. of just be himself and get out there and, and continue uh, what he's doing. It's funny that Carpenter might be the MVP and he's eighth right now and wins above replacement overall. There's a bunch of guys in the American League. And then it's yeah, the really AL MVP is insane. Just the yeah. amount of talent. I mean, Trout's obviously dealing with injuries and Betts has missed some time, but like just, and obviously Aaron judge too, but, um, out barring injury that just, <laughs> it's a murderer's row where like I, I suggested early on of like, we should have two AL MVPs and just no NL MVP because whoever yeah. the NL MVP is, is not even better than probably like the fourth best player in the American league. Yeah. This year. Like it's really it's going to be like going that. down the list. It's pretty bad. Wins above replacement is, is not really a great thing to take down to the second digit. Uh, it's really kind of a grouping thing. So what you're talking about is Jose Ramirez, Mookie Betts and Mike Trout being sort of eight winish type players. And then you've got Lindor, uh, and Martinez at sort of uh, JD Martinez at sort of six to seven wins. Even Bregman's right there at five wins. So um, yeah, that's uh, it's a really great lineup. I think for the NL, it's going to be Chapman uh, versus uh, you know uh, not Chapman, sorry, uh, Carpenter uh, versus Freddie Freeman. Uh, Nolan Arenado will get some votes, and uh, you know one guy that I think should get more votes than he will, I think, will be Lorenzo Cain. Um, okay. You know, one thing that always comes up though is the September storyline, which team, you know, falls off and which team surges. And in the past, I've been like, oh, that's so annoying. It's about teammates and stuff. But if you go back to what yeah. I said about wins of replacement not being a, like a really kind of being a, a one-digit number, then you're talking about Carpenter being a five-win guy, Freddie Freeman being a five-win guy, Nolan Arenado being a five-win guy, Lorenzo Cain being a four-and-a-half-win guy. I mean, they're all 
right there. Even Javi Baez is over four wins. So why not uh, take into account the shape of their production? Why not take into account when those things happened uh, and how they affected uh, the team's race? Javi Baez has kept the Cubs together and in it at, at times when they couldn't do anything else. Lorenzo Cain has kind of been the defensive glue with a uh, great offense uh, for a Brewers team that has really struggled otherwise defensively. And, and Carpenter has been the best bat in the, in a Cardinals lineup that, that's hanging around. So, and Freeman's been the rock for all these, these youngsters. So, you know, I think that September will kind of make some separation happen there. Who would you go with? If you had to pick, uh, it is August 15th. Who are you picking today for an LMVP? If you had a vote or do you have a vote? Uh, I might have to have a vote. Uh, I don't okay. think I know yet. Um, okay. I find out sometime, you know, I find out sometime around now. Um, I've, uh, Give I voted. You know, so- a vote. Yeah, I voted Whoever's in the listening, past. If you for, are the person in charge of this, give Eno a vote. I would love to have an MVP vote. In the past, I've voted for much more difficult things like manager of the year, which I think is impossible. Um, but yeah. um, <laughs> I've, I've sort of very publicly tried to figure out how to grade managers by numbers, and it's very difficult. But um, I don't think Brian Snicker wins manager of the year for the Eno. You can go ahead and roll that one out. I put Brady Freeman in the front right now, just myself. I okay. think that, um, you know, I give the edge. You know what I would do? Yeah. Give it to Mike Trout. Write it in. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, if Mookie Betts is winning, what are we doing Make here? Make sure it's he gets some hardware. Yeah, I'm just, he has to get something, especially for just the kind of season that, like, Otani and just the excitement for the Angels to start off. And they're like, Billy Epler may have worked his magic and made something out of nothing here because they were just the worst farm system in baseball and he's still the best player and just trying to make this all work and contend before he's a free agent. Like they should, like, it's just sad. They're a 500 team now. And I think they're maybe a couple games under at this point, but uh, yeah, I just Mike Trout coming away with nothing this year. It's not okay. And no, like common sense should prevail at some point in these awards where it's like, okay, so would any GM take uh, Freddie Freeman over Mike Trout? Yeah. One for one trade. <laughs> Jose Ramirez? Yeah. Aaron Judge? Who's still taking Freeman? No one. Like, we have to go down, like, maybe to name number six and seven. And I understand, like, Freeman is still a top 10, 15 baseball player. Like, he's still an awesome baseball player. And it's not to, it's not his fault. Well, I mean, I guess it is his fault. He's not as good as those guys. But it's, <laughs> it, we just, it's wrong. Like, we all understand that, like, Freddie this Freeman might. is not the most valuable player. Yeah. This might be the actual the year that, you know, because of Trout's injury, this might be the year where it's actually the closest and maybe you can make arguments for Mookie Betts and Jose Ramirez, whereas I think in the past the arguments for other players over him were more specious. So, you know, I, I like think, you could talk me into think he'll end up over with Freeman. a few MVPs. <laughs> it would be really bad, though, <laughs> if he did get to the end of his career and people were discussing his Hall of Fame, you know, uh, resume, and they're like, well, you know, he only got that one or two MVPs. You'd be like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> or just all-star appearances for shortstops, because look at, like, what they're having to deal with with Correa and Lindor and Machado, but even though he left, and maybe he goes back, and, like, yeah. it's just, you have to... Yeah, imagine so being Anderson and Simmons about, and, like, never really being, you know... Yeah, you have no shot. Yeah. Like, it's over. <laughs> like, you will never get an appearance, like, unless they... 
injuries just ravage the AL, and multiple guys go to the NL. And he's the but, top uh, fifteen yeah. player in the league. <laughs> And it just doesn't matter. Um, but is he as entertaining as Sean Newcomb? I still are we sure that the Angels won the Simmons for Newcomb trade? Jury's still out. <laughs> I, I think Simmons is very entertaining. I, I love watching him play. Yeah. Um, so the A's. You wrote you've written about the A's. We touched on Chapman a little bit. Um, they are one game back of the Astros now because everybody on the Astros is hurt. So they're uh, they're in trouble. And it's amazing because I was talking to Matthew of your colleague at The Athletic earlier today about just... So the Astros were on pace for um, the best season of all time earlier on. And now they've just been destroyed by the injury bug. And that's part of the game and everything else. But um, the Astros are there. And then I just... (laughs) You got to feel for Jerry DePoto, right? Like he made all these moves. The Mariners were in position. The Angels fell off a cliff. The Ale Central's not trying outside of the Indians. Like everything was set up for the Mariners to break their playoff streak. And then the A's, out of nowhere, with Edwin Jackson, Trevor Cahill, and just what is happening? Like they just come out of nowhere and they're like 30 games over 500 and just blowing everybody out and uh, having center fielders launch like 95,000 yard bombs to gun guys down at first. Like it's everything is coming up Oakland and uh, Seattle. Just what a bummer. (laughs) <laughs> you gotta just feel for them because it's over now right like they're done well i don't know you know seattle won today and i think it's gonna actually be a really fun finish for that 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 race right there um you know the rest of the way the a's and mariners are projected to be basically the same team 21 22 wins um and they're they're about two and a half apart right now so it's uh it's gonna come down to some weird bounces of a ball uh, in that one, and it'll be, you know, well, it'll be interesting that, because they're a bouncing team. They're yeah, they'll, they'll they'll win. Uh, they'll both win close to as many games as the Indians, uh, but one of them will be out. Um, but I I kind of think of the a, the A's. You know, uh, I don't know what team it was. I think it might have been the Giants in in football. I don't know. My football is not as good, but um, Rob Johnson was the quarterback for uh for a for a um, Super Bowl winning team. And Rob Johnson? Yes. Rob Johnson won a Super Bowl. I, I forget who it's with. Interesting. But the reason I bring it up is um, there was like a time in football where there were kind of some journeymen um, quarterbacks that kind of would go from team to team and join a team that was really awesome in every other way and just be competent enough to uh, to make it, you know? And I kind of see, that's how I see Edwin Jackson. Edwin Jackson's Rob Johnson in the situation. He's just confident enough to go four innings and get it to the bullpen. And this team has just decided, you know, um, we've, we've got a great offensive core. They all play really good defense, um, you know, really good to okay with Simeon is, I think, okay. Um, but uh, what we need is to somehow pitch through nine innings. And they've just gotten enough out of retread types, Trevor Cahill. Uh, Brett Anderson. I mean, they, they, a multitude of pitches. I love Jackson. He's my favorite by far. Yeah. I love Edwin added a cutter and is just having a career year at age like 34. It's mm-hmm. baffling. Yeah, and Cahill himself, I think, represents the the trend in modern in the modern game because when he was first with the A's and the A's were crappy that, during that time, um, Cahill, uh, you know, threw like 91. Uh, threw sinker on the change a lot, didn't go to the curve that often, 
Then he now he's you know, curve central. Yeah, and he went bouncing around, and at some point he was in the bullpen, started throwing 94, and just realized, you know what, my career's almost over. I'm just going to throw it as hard as I can every time someone gives me the ball. <laughs> and yeah. that's what everyone's doing. And now he sits like 93, 94, throws, you know, 40% curve balls, um, you know, hides his fastball, and uh, it goes change up crazy at times. So, you know, he's, I think, the, and, he's, and, I, and he admitted, I'm on the DL a lot too. Um, so, you know, I think that's kind of the modern game right now. Just throw as hard as you can until you go on the DL. And uh, Talk about Maeda. Who is who used to be a fly ball home run guy and now has like a ridiculous ground ball rate? Like all these dudes have reinvented themselves. Yeah, I mean he he just went back to a splitter that he used to throw in Japan, and the ball here is a little bit different, so I think he got more movement on it and, and really liked it. But um, yeah, I, I think the A's are for real, and um, you know the wild card game is going to be silly. It's going to be you know two innings of Sean Mania, and then here comes here comes the bullpen. Yeah, <laughs> well the Yankees might start with the bullpen. Well, you're right. I mean, uh, Severino hasn't been pitching so well, but I think you would at least you'd throw him out there for an Maybe inning or two. Tanaka, he might be the pick at this point with, for them. Maybe. I, I, he's been their best pitcher in the last couple of weeks. I, I don't know. The Yankees suddenly have like a lot of question marks. Um, I'm not really concerned. I know. Chapman, but, and like, yeah. you know, it was so stupid because like a, two, three weeks ago, I was like, Yankees Dodgers World Series book it. Oh, Okay, and, and now I'm kind of like I think the Dodgers are getting out geez. the NL, but the AL is still I I don't know because it's just like if the Astros get healthy, it's hard for me to not see them just powering their way through. I mean, they're, it they're, seems they're, like they're having the, the year rotation. from hell. Yeah, yeah, they're just having the year from hell where it just it feels like something's off, and like I could totally see the Indians just pissing everybody off and sneaking in just um with the awful AL Central win record and everything else but them finding a way because bauer is having a cy young career year um the bullpen's gonna get healthy miller's getting healthy like they added some good bullpen guys they added um brad hand from san diego like there's they might actually be like the underdog that um might be built for postseason success um i don't know i could see the indian i could see dodgers indians if i had to guess right now i might go that um, Red Sox fans are probably really pissed off with their 151 pace that I'm <laughs> suggesting the Indians and Terry Francona are, uh, might end their season again um, this year. But um, yeah, I don't know. I could see the Indians really making a run and just being a pain in the ass come playoff it's not quite the, because it's the rotation's not quite solid. The, it's not quite the best bullpen in Boston, huh? You know, no, they, it, it turns out that Craig Kimbrell uh, not being good post-All-Star break and... Um, Joe Kelly just being a dumpster fire and relying on uh, guys who you could create and MLB the show and you could tell me that they're uh, real players. Sure. Um, there is a guy named Hembry, the last name, Heath Hembry. There is yeah. a Tyler Thornburg. There they is, traded uh, for both Matt of those guys. Bar- yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but it, what helps the Red Sox is uh, they can mash the ball and they have two MVP candidates that are healthy and playing really, really good baseball. And their starting uh, pitching, their starting pitching is very good. I mean, they have, they have two or three guys that could go eight uh, in a playoff game. So, you know, we may, Mm -hmm. we may, we may see something like that going. Purcell's going good when he's, when it comes to the right time and Eduardo Rodriguez's knee is fine. Then all of a sudden, you know, and it'd be fun. Well, I think they should be required to start Pomeranz at least one. (laughs) I think he should be required to make things interesting. (laughs) But I, you know, imagine all the think pieces if uh, the Red Sox starters average eight innings a pop, and you know the bullpen is never used, and they go all the way. 
Oh, man. The Rays front office, I don't think they could handle it. <laughs> well, they're in a good spot, I think, the Rays at least. I mean, they, they have a lot of talent that's close to big leagues, and they haven't Good haven't trade for Archer. They bet on two former first-round picks who change the scenery, more opportunity to play every day, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, they're, um, it would have been nice to just keep Corey Dickerson. That would have made sense because he's actually still really good at baseball and was good for them last year. Um, but yeah, we'll see. The Rays are in a weird spot because the Yankees and the Red Sox are not going anywhere anytime soon. And their only real hope is a wild card spot. And um, they're obviously can't really tank because the Orioles are going to be really bad for like 10 years and the Blue Jays are getting ready to transition into a rebuilding phase. So they're going to be bad. Um, I think the Rays are just going to be flirting with 500 and maybe a couple games over. Um, yeah, that's an interesting years, thought that that it's hard to tank when everybody's tanking. I've, I've heard that one yep. uh, recently and it, it is kind of true. I mean, if you have anybody who's, who's worth playing and the Orioles are running out a bunch of people who are not worth playing, you're going to win some games by accident. Yeah. And I think that's, what's going to happen with the Rays, and that's not what they want. Um, they want a new stadium and the city of Tampa to pay for that stadium. And uh, yeah, maybe CJ like, Crone turns into an MVP. So that's what <laughs> like I think the, the Tigers are maybe the worst team in baseball. Just just oh, the way wow. that they and they I were mean, in just, second in the AL Central for like a third of the year. Well, but, but the way they came through in the last uh, series against the A's, maybe it was just a really bad series. So I think they scored like one run. But I was just looking around trying to think of like who the second best hitter was, and I guess it's Heimer Candelario, but I'm not sure. And uh, sure, you know, and so I was like you know, going through the, doing the same thing in the starting rotation. I was like, you know, Mad Boy's okay, but, you know, Jordan Simmons is pretty old. I was like, this is a pretty bad team, but, um, and I, <laughs> mission I don't, accomplished. Yeah. Mission accomplished, but they still have 50 wins, you know, because the Royals are they have 14 more worse. wins than the Royals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there's your, at least it's the not always easy an, to uh, tank. The World Series though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least they have that. Um, the White Sox I'm a little concerned about because it feels like they should be, um, a little bit better than where they are in their rebuild. It, um, a little Giolito, uh, Makata, like there, there's some concern there in Chicago. I think with how this rebuild's going, but um, no, yeah, yeah, that, we can I, talk about baseball all day. Yeah, go ahead. I think that is a difficult one because I, I was never into Giolito and Lopez, Ronaldo Lopez, the guys I got for Adam Eaton, um, uh-huh. and Makata has turned into looks like he's turning into a guy that's just me have these flaws would be good. I mean, you know, be pretty good. He still has a, a Javier Baez type leap possible in him. I mean, he, he does have those kinds of loud tools. Um, and, you know, just a slight tweak to his approach. I think, you know, he could still take off and Eloy Jimenez is really exciting, but you can't just keep saying, Oh, the next guys are exciting. The next guys are exciting. No, 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 no. These next guys are exciting. <laughs> you know? so, <laughs> right. Um, some of, somebody has to come up and kind of be exciting, which hasn't necessarily happened yet. Yeah. But maybe, maybe it'll happen. White Sox fans are good. I shout out to Josh Nelson and all those guys. I hope mm-hmm. things are better for the White Sox um, soon. And they have the top three uniforms in baseball. I think love their uniforms. Need them back. Great beer in their park, and uh, they haven't they haven't spent any money. So, if these guys and, and all their sort hold of on, hold on, hold on, Jerry Reinsdorf is not spending money. <laughs> no, but they spent some money when they were good. So, I, you know, I feel like they could spend some money. And all their guys in the minor leagues are close to the big leagues. Um, so, you know, if any of those come through and they spend some money on top of it, you know, something could happen. There you go. Add Josh Donaldson. Get crazy. 
go for <laughs> a crazy do the AJ Preller. Uh just say screw it, we're going for it. Well, one the year Phillies, we're just this rebuild sucks. Yeah. The Phillies adding Jake Arrieta, I think was brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that that's the sort of thing that uh I think that maybe the White Sox could think about um, you know, adding someone as, you know, maybe a year early, but then maybe it's not a year early. Mhm. Yeah. yeah. I could see something like that. Dylan Bundy over there turns in every Orioles pitcher once they leave Baltimore. Kevin Gaussman turning into a good pitcher again in Atlanta. I think it's just you have to get out of Baltimore. It's the worst park in the big leagues. I, I mean, other than, I guess, Coors. But Coors is worse in other ways. Baltimore is just like straight up every mistake is a dinger. Oh, speaking of Coors, I have to mention this. So Nick and I were talking about like Bryce Harper, like August uh, pre-postseason deadline trades or like him getting claimed. Like who makes the most sense of the contenders like that they could sell to. Um, first baseman of the Colorado Rockies, Bryce Harper. How much fun would Bryce Harper be in Colorado? <laughs> oh, man. He'd have like a – he'd go from like a 230 average to like a 350 average, I feel like. I think uh, – He would be, would be an fun. NL MVP for like the next five years, minimum, if he went to Colorado this offseason. Yeah. As, as, as long as the injury thing is not real because recovering from injuries is difficult and not fun uh, in, in Colorado. No, and also like replacing a legend like Brad Hopp at first base. <laughs> it can't be done. <laughs> no. No, can't be done. <laughs> no, but I think I <laughs> You weren't expecting the Hop reference. You never know no, when you're going to get Brad Hopp or Justin Morneau. Yeah, I can keep going. Yeah. The, the brilliant Rolodex post Todd Helton and uh, Mark Colorado. Reynolds, superstar. <laughs> I think they're just required to just have bad first baseman for the rest of uh their like the twenty first century is yeah, just you know. move on from Helton. It's not that it's on. not that weird though. If you think about it, a lot of teams have kind of punted on first base. Even the Red Sox, I mean, they're they're running a three million dollar guy out there in in Mitch Moreland and Mitch Moreland was an all star this year. Well, he, I, I'm not I'm not talking crap on Mitch Moreland, but I'm just saying like there's been a lot of teams. No, like, but I'm saying it's insane. Yeah, yeah. it's insane. <laughs> He's age but, 32. His first all-star appearance is this year. Like, and I think that's why AL, teams are doing yeah. it. They're just like, you can't, you can't do anything but hit. And one year, you're just going to come to us. And one year, you might be an amazing hitter. And we'll get you for five minutes. James Loney was born in the wrong era. <laughs> if he, came he, was a, now, he was a punting first baseman for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First base. Oh my God. Can you imagine all-star James Loney for the Rays in like 2023, if he had come up when he did, um, yeah, <laughs> it would, uh, it would be something else. Um, but anyway, let's make Bryce Harper to, um, Colorado happen. Let's, let's make Bryce Harper great this? again. <laughs> exactly. It, the fly balls, the dingers, everything. It would be the best. I'm yeah. all about it. You know, I really appreciate you taking the time. We can read you at the Athletic MLB, where you do fantastic work covering baseball hey, and writing about the things that we talked about today. Tomorrow is a fun, a fun piece. Uh, I make an analytical argument uh, for the return of the stolen base. So, okay, yeah, yeah, because it's, it's kind of dying. It's, yeah, it's dying. And I, I talked to D. Gordon, Jonathan Lucroy, ran some numbers, and. There's a little bit of sliver of light for the stone base, which I, I love. My favorite plays, which might surprise people since, you know, I've run the, I'm working on the numbers and all. My favorite plays are the stone base and the triple. Um, okay. And especially the triple, like the close triple with a slide, uh, with the helmet flying off. Uh, 
preferably long hair uh, and the play is in front of them. So it's like, you know, left center. Uh, so they're watching it and they have to turn to go to third. I just love that moment. It's you're, you're naked, you know, you're just, you, you're, you're going to have to slide and you're, you're going to figure out if you're done, you know? And if you're done, my favorite play is, yeah, what is it? an air to the shortstop. So it goes right behind him. I love a good air where the, like, I love the shot. Cause I think when it reminds me of ice skating, when like the skaters fall and they have to get up, like nothing happened and everything's fine. Nick Swordson has a great bit on this, but like just having to pretend that nothing happened, but then they have to like, I love the camera shot of the shortstop turning around and looking into the outfield of just like watching the ball continue <laughs> on to left field and him just Sadness. have to like accept. Yeah. Just, it's like seven seconds of just, Oh, it's brutal every time. I love it. He it's has to watch like, it. He has to watch his mistake. Kind of like when the pitcher gives up a dinger and they know it yeah. without looking and they just <laughs> they just like look down just at the rubber. Just their glove. And, and they, but yeah. the camera always shows them. They don't follow the ball. They just show the pitcher <laughs> just upset. Like just... So sadness. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. Let's get more of that. That's what I miss about more balls being on the ground is just more infielders making awful errors and just having to watch their incompetence in real time. It's great. <laughs> Let's make fielders bad again. That's what okay. I miss. <laughs> Well, you can watch some Brewers games. There you go. Yeah, I mean, they just they said screw it, and like Jonathan Shoup, you can play whatever position you want in the infield. We we'll make it work. Who cares? We'll just add talent. The Daryl Morey approach in Milwaukee, where it's like we'll just acquire talent and figure the rest out later. Um, yeah, yeah. True so with outfielders. There you go. Sure. <laughs> All right, man. It's been anyway, a pleasure. <laughs> this has been great. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, check all that out. Go to theathletic.com. And if you, again, are not already subscribed, do that so you can read Eno's great stuff. And uh, we will have to talk again soon, sir. Thanks for having me. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, Remember, you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com, where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support, and we'll be back another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.